This is a Socialist News and Views special report. I'm Nick Schillingford coming to you from the Urban Cabin Studios in South Minneapolis with this special report. On Friday, January 26th, I attended an event hosted by Healthcare Workers for Palestine Twin Cities. It was a vigil honoring healthcare workers killed in Gaza. We'll have a speech from that for the majority of this report, but as a healthcare worker, I wanted to speak briefly. As anyone who's listened to this podcast knows, I'm a registered nurse. I'm also a certified public health nurse. I left the hospital environment and ultimately the Minnesota Nurses Association because of unsafe staffing in Minnesota hospitals. I could also see the writing on the wall as far as declining use of personal protective equipment in those same hospitals to protect us against an ongoing deadly and disabling pandemic. But what I faced in the hospitals here pales in comparison to what healthcare workers are facing every minute of every day in Gaza. To be clear, these healthcare workers are not facing what the warmongering West often refers to as, quote, collateral damage. But according to Doctors Without Borders, in their opinion statement titled Gaza, facilities and healthcare workers are being targeted from January 24th, quote, our teams are witnessing an unprecedented and indiscriminate destruction of healthcare infrastructure, leaving civilians and healthcare workers with no protection. Vital structures are being systematically targeted, leaving no safe space, end quote. It also says, quote, MSF, Doctors Without Borders, teams have shared that they have seen tanks surrounding a hospital and snipers shooting through the windows of Al-Auda Hospital, injuring a surgeon in December, end quote. As early as the end of October, The Lancet published what it called an urgent call for protecting healthcare workers in Palestine. It highlighted hashtag not a target, which it said is, quote, a worldwide campaign that calls for politicians and policymakers to protect civilians from harmful military action, particularly frontline workers such as journalists and healthcare workers who are an easy target for such action, end quote. Healthcare workers watch Palestine as of January 23rd, says 403 healthcare workers have been murdered by Israel. Other sources say hundreds have also been taken hostage by Israel. Since one of the key elements of the labor movement is internationalism, along with the motto, an injury to one is an injury to all, this is clearly a labor issue, and labor unions should be calling for an immediate end to the bombing of Gaza. And unions have made statements. Prem Thacker, reporter for The Intercept, has documented a list of American unions, which he says represents over 7.4 million workers, though he says the list is not exhaustive. It includes National Education Association, Service Employees International Union, SEIU, Communication Workers of America, CWA, United Auto Workers, UAW, American Postal Workers Union, APWU, National Nurses United, NNU, Chicago Teachers Union, CTU, and many more. We'll include a link to the list in the show notes. But this isn't just a labor issue. It is clearly a public health issue as well. We are witnessing extreme levels of trauma, not only to surviving people in Gaza and across Palestine, but to our Palestinian co-workers, friends, and neighbors in our local communities as well. Many non-Palestinian peoples in our communities are also facing mental anguish as they continue watching a genocide unfold in real time, perpetuated, supported, and funded by the United States, in which many feel powerless and helpless to stop. 
Beyond that, the ongoing bombardment by Israel and the U.S. of the people and infrastructure of Gaza is doing direct harm to people's physical health and the health and viability of our planet. First thing, Israelis war in Gaza has immense effect on climate catastrophe, is the title of an article by Nicola Slauson for The Guardian, January 9th. It says, quote, the planet warming emissions generated during the first two months of the war in Gaza were greater than the annual carbon footprint of more than 20 of the world's most climate vulnerable countries, research reveals, end quote. The analysis by researchers in the UK and US, it says, is likely a significant underestimate. The significant pollution of ground, air, and water by military activity is also something we have covered extensively on this program. But we are starting to see the movements gaining some momentum and pushing our institutions. In addition to the increasing lists of unions calling for a ceasefire, Minneapolis City Council passed a strong Palestine resolution is the title of an article by staff January 26th on Fight Back News. It says the resolution goes farther than most in the country as it not only calls for a, quote, full, immediate and permanent ceasefire, end quote, but also calls for ending U.S. military aid to Israel. And while Electric Intifada has an article January 29th entitled American Medical Association Won't Stand Up for Gaza's Health Workers, healthcare workers across the U.S. and across the globe are standing up and taking action. The Irish Examiner has an article January 27th entitled Doctors Are Not Targets, Medics Lead Chants as 1,000 People March for Palestine in Cork. The article says marchers were demanding Ireland take actions against Israel in the wake of the International Court of Justice ruling that there is a plausible case that Israel is committing genocide. Here in Minneapolis, St. Paul, healthcare workers have formed Healthcare Workers for Palestine, Twin Cities. NPR News has an article by NPR staff, January 27th, entitled Minneapolis Vigil Honors Healthcare Workers Killed in Gaza. It said the vigil was held just hours after the ruling by the International Court of Justice. And it says, quote, Asfia Kadir is an adolescent psychiatrist and part of the Twin Cities chapter of Healthcare Workers for Palestine. Friday's vigil was its inaugural event. She said protests are important for keeping pressure on the court as it continues to monitor the case, end quote. I attended the Friday event, January 26th, which started outside Hennepin County Medical Center before a short procession to Elliott Park for the vigil. According to a post promoting the event on antiwar.com, this event was co-sponsored by Freedom Street Health Medics, Jewish Voice for Peace Twin Cities, Minnesota Anti-War Committee, Students for Justice in Palestine at University of Minnesota, Twin Cities Democratic Socialists of America, and White Coats for Black Lives. Here's one of the most rousing speeches from the vigil by a union staffer, Tanya Singh, who was fired from Minnesota Nurses Association for expressing her feelings on her personal social media that she supports Hamas because she supports the oppressed right to resist by any means necessary. She was called a supporter of terrorism and anti-Semitic, Here's the speech. It starts out with an introduction of Tanya by a nurse named Michael. Hello everybody, my name is Michael. Um, my street name, my street medic name is Irish. Um, and I'm very proud to say that I'm a, a registered nurse. I work at a local hospital. I'm also a street medic for Freedom Street Health. Whoop up for Freedom Street. The person I'm gonna introduce you to, it's been an absolute honor to get to know this girl. I'm also a decades long trade union activist for the, for the record. And, and I'm only speaking on my behalf, not on my union's behalf, when I say that I am a member of the MA and a steward with the Minnesota Nurses Association, speaking my own personal opinion. I first met Tanya at a union event, and we immediately connected. She's from India, and I'm an Irishman. 
We mutually had an instant hatred for British imperialism and capitalism. It was immediate, and we connected immediately. This young lady, for the record, was fired from her job for daring to speak out on behalf of Palestine. I will very happily say the people that did that firing no longer work at that particular institution on, on a leadership level. Absolutely. So it is, and by the way, you guys, this woman here, the Zionists want people like this woman to be quiet. God help them. This woman has refused to be quiet. She's now working in another union. Give it up for uh, UFCW. And I'm so proud and happy to introduce you a wonderful, beautiful woman, Tanya Singh. Get some fire, girl. Thanks, Michael. Um, I wrote this speech just sitting in the car because uh, I was organizing. Um, so this is a vigil. Uh, I will try my best to wrap everything I feel in a way that's appropriate because how I feel does not fit the vibe here. I feel rage. Um, so my name is Tanya. I currently work at UFCW 1189 and organizing grocery store workers and they deserve so much better. So please show them your support as we head into negotiations starting in February. And before this, like Michael mentioned, I used to work at M&A. I was fired from M&A for supporting any and all resistance efforts of the Palestinian people against their occupation. Even if people disagree with my radical stance, that when you're choking and starving someone, you don't get to make rules about how they react towards you. I still have a right to have those beliefs without ris risking my employment because there's many people who have called for genocide, including many of our representatives of this beautiful, great country, and they're still in power. What I experienced at M&A was a stunning silence, not just on my termination, but also on the genocide in Gaza. I accept that being in the United States, people absorb state propaganda into their bodies like we absorb microplastics from our water. I accept that the default position of most Americans is to think that we live in a great, just, and righteous nation, and we are above the savages of the global south. If not overtly, that is the default setting of most Americans. I'm sorry it's not about you, but everybody else. Uh, <laughs> um, I accept that the entire media establishment from the top to the bottom have a colonial point of view because they study history and go to colleges where that colonial point of view is re-injected into their veins. I want to give a shout out to the few nurses and co-workers at M&A who went against the grain and understood my point of view even if they didn't exactly agree with it. I'm very proud of nurses like Michael, Jill LeBrun, who is our new board member at m &A. not our, not anymore, but m and <laughs> Jihad, Trisha Shiori, um, who are trying to make themselves heard on the organizational level, organize and educate rank and file nurses. 
And this institutional colonial bias has caused many other people around the US and Canada to be fired for supporting Palestine, even if they did it in a milder way than I did. We were the casualties of the heavy propaganda inherent status quo beliefs instilled in Americans that Israel, that Israel and we are the good guys. It's not just this propaganda. American workers have accepted the constant declining status of their economic and social rights. This decline has occurred over many decades because we continue to compromise in politics, in labor, and compromise is sold to us as something to aspire to because capitalism is worth it. It has caused us to become more isolated and it harms our overall well-being. What's a compromise between having money for war or elimination of homelessness and poverty? We eliminate half of it? Maybe that's a good compromise. And maybe we should kill some people and not everybody. I do not believe in compromise between justice and injustice. Call me a hardliner, but I am a communist. And I do not make, <laughs> and I do not make allowances when it comes to what is just and what is not. This brings me back to healthcare workers who have organized this or are part of this. You're at the front lines of watching the worst injustice take place. The poor, impoverished, the elderly, having nowhere to go, not having resources to survive, having either languishing in the streets or the emergency rooms. Mental health patients who could be receiving better care, but hospital employers and board members feel it's okay to shut mental health units down because mental health doesn't get them the money they want. While dealing with all of that, I heard the words war zone said by a lot of nurses that I organized to describe the situation in their hospitals. And I absolutely sympathized, I cried with them. And I cannot imagine being a nurse and going through that day in and day out. Now draw a straight line from that to an actual, not a war zone, but a genocide zone that is unfathomable to any of us. I don't want to imprint further devastation onto your minds because most of us have seen the videos out of Gaza uh, provided to us by real journalists. It is, it is unbelievable to me that organizations like Minnesota Nurses Association, healthcare facilities, employers, and many of your coworkers have not taken a stance and shown support to healthcare workers who are deliberately targeted and are suffering beyond human capacity to withstand. Still providing care in the midst of a genocide. They get 200 or more people coming in with acute injuries and barely any supplies any single day. That would overwhelm any existing sophisticated healthcare system in the world. They stay back instead of looking for a safe place for themselves because they're serving their community. They refuse to leave. These healthcare workers saw their family members die while tending to other patients. These healthcare workers kept working even when they heard that their entire family was killed and now they're alone in the world. Fighting for better staffing levels would be a luxury to them. How can all of this proof, evidence, and reality not shake the indifferent souls of people no matter the propaganda? How does it not penetrate? Is there not enough blood spilled to fill the Bade McCoskey Lake? Anyways, I told you my feelings don't fit a vigil, but a riot.
Now I feel angry all the time, but when I'm with people who feel angry just like I do, I find solace and hope. So thank you for being the people who showed up. You're good company, and this is cathartic. As a labor organizer, this is the part where we talk about next steps or plans to win. How many here are union workers? Wow, that's, that's sad. <laughs> Well, the best thing about unions is that you're tied together to fight power. The strength of your bonds is the power of your union. So if you don't have a union, unionize. If you have one, start having conversations about solidarity with workers around the world, healthcare workers in Gaza. If you are having conversations with your coworkers, make internationalism a core of your union's policy because I truly believe that the only way to save America from the inevitable ruin is workers coming together. And not in a milquetoast way like endorsing Joe Biden and Hillary Clintons of the world, but build to a level where war and injustice is a strike issue. As consumers in America, we can boycott. As business owners, we can divest. As citizens in America, we can protest and riot. But as workers, when we decide to withhold our labor and risk our economic solidarity, economic security in solidarity with the, with the colonized workers, only then we can bring this perpetual war machine to a halt. We build towards that, it's really long term, and the day American workers strike against war, the entire world will heal. I'll end this. Che Guevara, one of my heroes, he said, I envy you. You North Americans are very lucky. You are fighting the most important fight of all. You live in the belly of the beast. One more round of applause for Tanya. Thank you so much, Tanya. And that's our special report. Thanks for listening. Solidarity. This has been a Socialist News and Views special report.